in control, the one who is not surprised by any of the circumstances that we find ourselves in today. There's a word that I was thinking of the last two weeks or so that I'm sure you've heard either in the news or the community sharing this word, and it's the word unprecedented. I don't think, the times we're living in, I don't think anyone has ever experienced anything like it before, and the word unprecedented is used, and it means never done before. This is unprecedented, or it's never been done before. And the events of the last few weeks, in many ways, is unprecedented. Almost an entire nation shut down, schools, businesses, churches, gatherings of any kind are shut down as if the entire country is just on hold, hit the pause button. So in some ways it's unprecedented, but in many ways this is nothing new. It's new to us. Nobody I'm speaking to this morning has ever experienced anything like this, but it is not really new. About a hundred years ago, there was an influenza pandemic that swept around the world, and it's estimated it affected one-third of the world's population at that time. During this time, city residents were told to avoid crowds. They were instructed to pay close attention to personal hygiene, and in some cities, the dance halls were closed. Many doctors and nurses were encouraged to wear masks when tending to the sick patients. So what we're facing today is nothing new. It's been done before. In the past 200 years, there have been seven cholera pandemics around the world. In 1527, there was a plague sweeping through Europe, and many, many, many people died during this time, and people would leave the cities. They would flee the cities to escape, many times abandoning their sick loved ones just to get away. And this was during the time of Martin Luther. He decided to stay in the city and help tend the sick, the abandoned sick. And his advice was this, take medicine, avoid large crowds, and pray which again sounds familiar, it's what we're hearing today. So in many ways what we go through today is not unprecedented. It has been done before. Solomon understood this. Thousands of years ago, he wrote in Ecclesiastes, the thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. In other words, what he's saying is history repeats itself. It's all been done before, and it truly is never new. For the most part, he's right. And for the most part, that is still true today, but there is one thing that we need to take into account that is new And that is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is new today. It's new tomorrow. It's new every day. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday. 
And we looked at the resurrection of Jesus and it was it was new to us again as we considered the resurrection and the power of the resurrection and the work of Christ and what he did. And if you want to use the word unprecedented, it fits there. The resurrection of Jesus was unprecedented. It had never been done before. It will never be done again. Where Jesus rises from the dead. He is alive. The power of the good news. Gospel means good news. The power of the, of the gospel is new. So what do I mean by the gospel? The title of the message this morning is the power of the gospel is always new. So I need to define what I mean by gospel. And I thought, well, that won't be hard until I sat down to try to describe what the gospel actually is. And there's a lot that goes into what I mean by the power of the gospel, what it is. The gospel of the good news is that Jesus rose from the dead. He provides us, he provides all of mankind with the opportunity to be forgiven and to come boldly before the throne of God as his children. Jesus came to earth. He introduced the gospel of the kingdom of heaven or the good news of the kingdom of heaven. That the broken relationship between a holy God and a sinful man can be repaired to perfection. That the blood up until now that was used to cover the sins of the people did not need to be offered anymore because the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ himself, would be offered as that perfect sacrifice once and for all. That is the good news. Opening up the way of salvation, making it available for everyone. That is what I mean by the gospel. The gospel of loving your enemies. That's what the king, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is. The gospel of loving your enemies. The gospel of the greatest among you being servant of all. So this morning I'd like to look at why the power of the gospel is new and relevant every single day. The question might be asked, how can something be new when it's 2,000 years old? That's when the, the gospel was introduced. The good news of the kingdom of heaven was introduced in the new, as the New Testament 2,000 years ago. How can it be new today? The first reason that we know the gospel needs to be new every day is because the word of God is alive. The gospel is new every day because the word of God is alive. I think it's important that we realize that the word of God is the revelation of God to mankind. This is one of the ways that God shows himself to us through his word. His son, Jesus, who came to earth, was the greatest revelation. And he was called the word. The Bible that we have today is also called the word. It's the revelation of God to us. It's how God speaks to us. It's why it's called the word of God. He speaks to us. Not just once to bring us to himself, not twice or when we think we need it, but he is always there, ready to speak to us through his word every day. It will meet you where you are. You hear that phrase, and I don't really like the phrase because people use it as an excuse many times to not grow in their Christian walk, but it's true. The word of God will meet you where you are, but it doesn't keep you where you are. The word of God needs you, helps you to grow, to establish yourself in Christ. The same book in many ways, it is just a book, but the same book that is milk, easy to understand, easy to digest for a young, immature Christian, 
is the exact same book that is the meat, harder to understand, harder to follow for more mature Christians. This morning, I'd like to look at three things within, while we're still considering the living Word of God. The Word of God is alive. That's what makes the gospel, the power of the gospel new. But three things within that I'd like to look at. The first one is the living Word of God is effective. The living Word of God is effective. If you were to give me some instruction on how to build a shed, you could come and you could tell me how to do it. You'd explain it to me. Or you could maybe give me a booklet explaining how to do it. And it might turn out if I would follow these instructions. But the problem is there's many different ways to build a shed. Or you can fill in the blank, whatever it might be. There's many different ways to do this. God has laid out his will and his instructions for living in the living word of God as the only way. The living way, the only way, and it will work. It's the only way that will work. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If someone is is telling you something through a book that you're reading, if you're reading a book explaining how to do something, it carries some weight and some authority. If the author of that book comes to you and tells you, how to do what he wrote in the book, to me that carries more weight. That is more relevant to me. More authority when the actual author is explaining to me how to do this. But the spoken word of God, his son, and the written word of God carry the exact same authority. In Genesis, God spoke and the world was. That's the authority of the word of God. Psalms echoes this. It says, God breathed and he created the heavens and the earth. In Isaiah 55, it promises the word of God will always accomplish his will. So if you allow it to be, the word of God will be effective in your life. The living word of God will be effective in your life. The second thing under the living word of God I'd like to look at is the living word of God is relational. As you think through the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, think with me of people that had a relationship with God. I thought of people like Moses, Abraham, Samuel. I'm reading through uh, First and Second Kings right now, and David and Solomon even had somewhat of a relationship, a personal relationship with God. But I tend to look at these personal encounters, personal relationships with God in the Old Testament as rare, and they were rare, but extremely special. These people were, were extremely special. They were set aside to have a personal relationship with God. But you know, that same personal relationship that we view as so rare and special in the Old Testament is available to every one of us today, that same closeness with God, that personal relationship. And we get that through his word, through the living word of God. And I, I so often take that for granted as commonplace, having that relationship. I look back and I think of Moses and Abraham and them talking with God 
And how special that must have been. And it was, but it's special today too. We take it for granted, but we have that same opportunity and that same, we can have that same opportunity and relationship. It's available to all of mankind. And that is what makes the gospel, the power of the gospel, the power of the good news, new every day. We can come boldly right to the throne of God. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to wait for God to hold out some scepter and say, yes, come. He's, the invitation is there for all of us to come to God. The word of God is relational. If we listen, we can hear God through his word. It's relational. It will speak to us. It will encourage us. It will instruct us. It will direct us. And it will convict us if we listen to the living, relational word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That is part of the relationship that the word of God brings us. We hide God's word in our heart. And that's what makes the power of the gospel new every day. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If the word of God is hiding in our heart, if it's written in our hearts and the love of Christ is shed abroad in our heart, that means Christ is living in our heart. And if Christ is living in our heart, we have that relationship And that's through the word of God. The living word of God is what makes the gospel new every day. The third thing about the living word of God is that it's revealing. The living word of God is revealing. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Revised Version says the Word of God is living and active. Quick means alive. Not just living, but alive and active. That's what the Word of God is. And it's, sometimes think about that, how the Bible is is not just a regular historical document with good teaching and good instruction. It is living and it's alive. The gospel, the good news, is new because the word of God is living. It has the ability, it has the unique ability to reveal and expose our intentions, our motives, our thoughts, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I don't remember who said it, but they explained this verse very well. They said the living word of God is profitable or it is useful for doctrine, which is teaching us what is right, for reproof which is showing us where we got it wrong, for correction, which is telling us how to get it right, and for instruction in righteousness, which is teaching us how to keep it right. So the word of God is profitable for doctrine, what is right, reproof, where we got it wrong, correction, how to get it right, and instruction in righteousness, how to keep it right. That's the unique ability of the living word of God is revealing. The second reason that the gospel is new every day is because the Holy Spirit is alive and indwelling in the child of God. 
And this is closely related to the living word of God because the Holy Spirit works through, part of, part of his work is working through the living word of God. But the Holy Spirit is alive and that's what makes the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven, new in your heart and in your life every day. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit, he calls him the Comforter, to be with them always. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another Comforter that he may abide with you forever. And Jesus also refers to it as himself. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. God will be with us. God is with us. And in this case, it's the Holy Spirit living and dwelling alive within us. Jesus further explains this in John 14, verse 26. He says, but the comforter, he uses the word comforter again here, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit living and dwelling within the child of God works closely with the living word of God to give us what we need every day, whether it's when we read it or whether it's that word that we've hidden in our heart, bringing to remembrance the things that we need, whether it's encouragement, whether it's instruction, whether it's conviction, that's the relationship that the living, indwelling Holy Spirit has in us. And that's what makes the power of the gospel new every day. The Holy Spirit is indwelling and that requires our attention to have a true relationship with the Holy Spirit is to be able to hear, to listen, to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. It's not some being within us that will grab our attention every time he has something to say. He may do that, but it needs to be a constant, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. The world around us has millions of things clamoring for our attention as well. The Holy Spirit needs our attention, but the world around us has millions of things. Many of these things are worldly, I'm going to call them worldly distractions or earthly distractions, temporal distractions or physical distractions. But many of them are, are actually all well and good in their place. A few things that I thought of as I was thinking of the things that are clamoring for my attention that steal my attention away from the Holy Spirit are, are good things sometimes like work or family. Maybe it's hobbies, entertainment. And maybe you can think of some other things that are clamoring for our attention and our time. When you weigh, if you were to weigh the spiritual life and the physical life in a balance, an old-fashioned scale, which would carry the most weight in your life? Would it be the physical things taking most of your attention and, and that you can pay the most attention to? Or is it things of, the things of God? And I know that's kind of a trite question, but it's worth considering. In your daily life, what is taking the most of your attention? Which is heavier in the balance? Jesus taught us that there is a balance. There needs to be a balance in life. We are in the world, but we aren't of it. So there's definitely both parts need to be in this equation. But Jesus also taught us that the spiritual life needs to take first place. It needs to have more on the scale. The proper balance in the life of the Christian is not an equal balance. 
the spiritual life is is taking more. Jesus said, "A man and man shall not live by bread alone, or not just by physical things, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." And Jesus also said, "I always do those things that pleases the Father." The spiritual life was much most important. He did not allow physical things to drown out the voice of the Spirit in his life. If we can learn, and if we can discipline our lives to keep these two kingdoms in proper balance, and it's not an equal balance again, but if we can keep it in a proper balance to learn and discipline our lives, I don't think it would be nearly as hard or difficult to hear the Holy Spirit, to be in tune to what he says. I wonder if the effect sometimes of these distractions around us are what drives us to God. We go to God saying, God, I need your help, I need your guidance, I need your deliverance from whatever it is, I need your, dis- I need your encouragement. When really what we need to do is remove some distractions because many times I think the effects of these distractions that are causing the problems. Romans 8:26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Meditate on that verse sometime. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I think part of what this verse is saying is we know what we want, and we go to God with what we want, but what we want and what we need aren't always the same. I was reminded of the words to a song, Come thou fount of every blessing, Tune my heart to sing thy grace. When we think of tuning our heart, I think of maybe an orchestra where every instrument and every part needs to be in tune. They all have to be exactly on tune in order for it to be a proper harmony. And the same is true with our relationship with the living, indwelling Holy Spirit. We need to be in tune or in harmony with him in order for things to work properly. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. The power of the gospel will be new to us each day if we tune our hearts to hear the Holy Spirit. We need to learn, I'm speaking to myself, we, I, need to learn to take time, to be quiet, to be still, to have that spiritual balance in the proper balance to allow the Holy Spirit to speak what I need, not just what I want, but speak to what I need in my life. I need to learn to listen. Listen to God both through the living Word of God that makes the Gospel new every day, but through that still, small, and yet powerful voice that the Holy Spirit has. You might be in need of some reassurance or comfort. The Holy Spirit is there for that. You might be in need of some guidance. The Holy Spirit will be there for that. You might be in need of some conviction, reproof, or correction. It's a little harder to hear, but the Holy Spirit is there for that as well. The power of the gospel is new 
every day because the word of God is alive. The power of the gospel is new every day because the Holy Spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit is indwelling. And thirdly, the power of the gospel is new every day because the mercy of God is new every day. Amazing and undeserving, but the mercies of God are new every day. That's what makes the gospel new every day. I have a list of verses I'd like you to follow along with me as I read through these verses. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Psalm 103, verse 17 But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Psalm 108, verse 4. For thy mercy is great above the heavens and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Micah 7, verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, that passeth by the transgression? of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. I'm certainly glad that I serve a God, the God, that his mercies are new every morning, because even if we did deserve some mercy, I would have used mine up long ago. I serve a God because he delights in mercy. That's what makes That makes the power of the gospel new every day. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. And his righteousness unto his children's children. One more scripture I'd like to read here in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. And this is probably the most important part, what makes the power of the gospel new. Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'll stop reading there. What more can we say? The power of the gospel is new to us every day because the mercies of God are new every day. I was reminded of a verse of another song. It says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? I don't deserve the mercy of God. You don't deserve the mercy of God. And yet that is what makes the power of the gospel new every day. As I wake up, as I turn to the scripture, as I read the scripture, read the word of God, allow it to speak to me, allow his Holy Spirit to speak to me, the living Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit through the living word of God. That is what makes the power of the gospel new Every day, the death of Jesus Christ would have been almost reasonable if there would have been a guarantee that every person ever after that would turn to him wholeheartedly and follow God. It would have almost been reasonable. But that's not the case. And he knew that wasn't the case. 
Mankind would not turn to God. Most of the world would reject him. And even those of us who do accept him would still struggle with wholehearted devotion. And that is where the mercy of God is new every day. That's what makes the power of the gospel new every day. Jeremiah got it right. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. As we live in these unprecedented times, I want to encourage you not to squander your time. This is a new time. None of us have ever experienced this kind of thing before. Don't squander it. Don't waste the time. Focus on the newness of the power of the gospel every day. Just a few things that I noticed on a practical level during this time. Time. I seem to have more time and I spend, I'm, I'm spending more time with my family and I've been enjoying that. With not so much coming and going, I have more time specifically I find in the evenings at home and that's good. Another thing I'm finding is that it's a struggle for me. And my, I struggle with the tendency to be spiritually lazy during this time. And that is not making the most of this time. And so I'm committing what, what's left of this time. We don't know how much is left. But for sure for this time, to make the most of the time. I, th- I think the Bible would call that redeeming the time. Making the most of this time. And I concluded in my life, it's going to do one of two things for me. It's going to make me and you either lazy in your spiritual life, where the close accountability of the brotherhood is more distant, or it will sharpen your spiritual senses as you discipline yourself to make use of the time you have. And that's what I'm committing myself to doing as I move forward from here, sharpening my spiritual senses. So my challenge to you this morning, as well as to myself, is to make use of this time to build your spiritual life. Find the newness in the power of the gospel every single day. Spend time. Build your understanding of the living word of God. Cultivate your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Tune your heart to sing the grace of God. Develop a deeper understanding and a habitual listening to the Holy Spirit and a habitual listening to His Word. And then lastly, I challenge you and encourage you to deepen your understanding of the mercy of God. Deepen your appreciation of the mercy of God and then extend that same mercy to others. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for a new day. We thank you for newness of life. We thank you for the power of the gospel and that it is new every day. I pray that you will be with each one of us as we go forward in these these strange times, these maybe difficult times. Help us to redeem the time and to make use of this time, that it can be a time of spiritual growth, that we can deepen our relationship with you and not just for the time being, but that we would establish habits and patterns of walking after you and listening to you, hearing your Holy Spirit, finding your living word in our hearts. Pray that you will be with each one in their homes today. Give them a blessed day. Help them to be 
encouraged and to be an encouragement. Be with us. Help us to be salt and light in the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.